everybody's doing good this morning. I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, we're going to have some music here in just a minute. we got a couple of musicians that are going to be playing for us. I want to say a special thanks to the ones who have provided the music, Macy Freeman and Murray Reynolds. And uh, Lord willing, we're going to have some more music in the weeks to come uh, to get us started off with worship before we get into the Word. So uh, sit back and relax and enjoy uh, these songs and praise the Lord along with them. I'll see you in just a minute.
praise the Lord for that good music. I want to thank all the ones that helped get that to me so we can have a little worship service before we get into the word this morning. And uh, Lord willing, we're going to have some more of that coming in the weeks to come. All right, we're going to continue right where we left off last week. We were uh, finishing Psalm 35 last week. This week, we're starting Psalm 36. And so if you have a Bible, I encourage you to turn and read along. We're going to read all 12 verses of this Psalm. Uh, I'll pray, then we'll read through the text, and then we'll talk about it. So let's pray, and we'll get into God's Word. Father God, we come to you this morning, and we thank you for your Word, and I pray that it'll be good for us. I pray that it'll uh, touch our hearts, dear Lord. I pray that it'll open our hearts and open our minds to just see things in our life maybe that shouldn't be there, dear Lord, to bring us correction if we need it, to bring us encouragement if we need it. And I pray that you'll be glorified through the reading of your Word today and just hide me behind the cross. Help me to preach and teach in a way that's going to bring glory to you. And just let the Holy Spirit guide my mouth and, and bring the words out that need to come out today. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Psalm 36, we'll start in verse 1. An oracle from within my heart concerning the transgression of the wicked person. There is no dread of God before his eyes, for in his own eyes he flatters himself too much to discover and hate his sin. The words of his mouth are malicious and deceptive. He has stopped acting wisely and doing good. Even on his bed, he makes malicious plans. He sets himself on a path that is not good and does not reject evil. Lord, your faithful love reaches to, to heaven, your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the highest mountains, your judgment like the deepest sea. Lord, you preserve man and beast. God, your faithful love is so valuable that people take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They are filled from the abundance of your house. You let them drink from your refreshing stream, for with you is life's fountain, and in your light we will see light. Spread your faithful love over those who know you, and your righteousness over the upright in heart. Do not let the foot of the arrogant man come near me, or the hand of the wicked one drive me away. There the evildoers fall. They have been thrown down and cannot rise. Now, we could really break this psalm up into two parts. There seems to be two main things that David is talking about here. One, the wicked and that they don't fear the Lord. And two, that God is righteous and that he is faithful to take care of and be a refuge for those who do love him and who do seek him. At the end of verse one, David says, there is no dread of God before his eyes. That is the wicked person. For in his own eyes, he flatters himself too much to discover and hate his sin. Now, when he says dread of God there in my translation, some of your translations probably say fear of God. There's no fear of God. And with the wicked, there is no fear of God. Now, the Bible says that it is good to fear the Lord. And that's really the first step in coming to the Lord is to recognize who he is, to recognize that he is God, that he is in control. But when we don't fear the Lord, it really stems from a lack of respect of the Lord. Uh, when someone doesn't fear the Lord, they, doesn't, they don't respect the Lord. They don't think that he's in control. They don't think that he is all powerful. They don't think that he is all good. They don't think that he is all loving. And they don't think that God is better than their sin. And that's the problem. That's why wicked people continue to be wicked. That's why evil people contend, continue to live in evil ways because they think their ways, their sinful ways, are greater than God's ways. That's why David says, for in his own eyes, he flatters himself too much to discover and hate his sin. He doesn't think that his sin is that bad because 
he thinks that he's doing pretty good, or she thinks, the sinner, that is, thinks that they're okay. Oh, what I'm doing is not that bad. And we have a tendency that we want to do what David says. We want to flatter ourselves and make ourselves think that, oh, what I'm doing is really not that bad. What I'm doing is okay. There are other people in the world, and what they do is really bad. They do the really bad things. And we have a way of really flattering, flattering ourselves and making ourselves feel better than we should. And David says that's exactly what the wicked does. They flatter themselves so much that they're not able to discover and to hate their own sin. But what we need to do is we need to see verses like this and say, okay, is there sin in my life? Are there things in my life that I have been kind of burying? Are there things in my life that maybe are a little worse than I thought they were? You see, we, we like to put sin in categories, sins that aren't very bad, and those we give in to a little more, because after all, that one's not very bad. And then we have a scale that goes up, and this is a little worse, so I won't do that as often. And then maybe at the top of our scale, we have sins that are really bad, and those we try not to ever do. But the little small ones, well, those are okay. We can get away with those. And after all, I am pretty good. I do go to church. I do help the poor. I do do this good thing and that good thing. And so we tend to flatter ourselves and we try to lessen our sin. We try to take the edge off of it so we don't feel quite as bad about it when we do it. So we can continue to have fun doing the sinful things that we should not be doing to start with. And David says the wicked person flatters themselves to a point that they don't are not able to discover and not able to hate their sin. Now, we need to realize in our life that we need to hate our sin. He goes on to say in the next few verses that, look, uh, the, the, the wicked person uh, lays in bed at night and is thinking about ways that they are going to sin. Their mind is running to these sinful things in their life, things maybe that they want to do that they shouldn't want to do, things that they're thinking about that they shouldn't thinking about be thinking about, things that they are desiring that they shouldn't be desiring. And the wicked person, their mind tends to run to that sin because for the wicked person, the sin is what's most important to them. Because in their mind, and maybe in your mind, and sometimes even in my mind, our sin looks very good. It looks very enticing. It looks like it's going to bring us the pleasure and the joy that we want. But that's not what sin does. See, oftentimes we are blinded by our sin. We're blinded by our sin, and some people in the world don't have any fear of the Lord. Maybe even some of God's people don't fear him the way that they should. But we need to have a fear of the Lord, and we need to have a respect of the Lord. We need to realize that God is better than our sin. Now, you may not realize that today, but I'm telling you, hear that. God is better than your sin. Maybe for, for years you've turned your back on God. You didn't want to hear anything that God's word had to say because you're this person that this psalm is talking about. One who doesn't fear the Lord. One who doesn't respect the Lord. One who doesn't acknowledge that God is in control. One who doesn't acknowledge that God is good. One who doesn't acknowledge that God's ways are better than your sins. But I want to tell you they are. I want to tell you they are. God is better than your sin. Now, you can try to tell me this morning that your sin is better than God, but you can't convince me of that. And you can't even really convince yourself of that if you look deep down inside because you know better. You know that your sin's not good for you because your sin leaves you with what? It leaves you with guilt. It leaves you with shame. It leaves you with broken relationships. It leaves you with bitterness. It leaves you with anger. 
It leaves you empty inside. That's what your sin does for you. Now, you may be saying, what, are you a psychic? How do you know what my sin does for me? No, I'm not a psychic. I know what your sin does for you because I used to be a sinner. I used to be a sinner. I used to be one who cared more about my sin than I did about listening to the Lord. Now, some of you are saying, wait a minute. You're saying you used to be a sinner. Are you saying you don't sin anymore? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that I used to be a sinner. But now I'm telling you that I'm a sinner saved by grace. You see, I found something better than my sin, and it's Jesus Christ. There's still sin that pops up. There's still temptation that pops up. There are still things in my life that I struggle with. There are still times in my life that I sin, and I feel that shame, and I feel that guilt, and that's the best that sin will ever give you. And if you're living in sin, you know it. If you stop and you're honest with yourself for just a second, you can discover how bad your sin really is. You can discover how miserable you really are. You can discover that things aren't as good as you think they are. You can discover that even though your sin brings you pleasure in a moment, you know that the next day and the next week and the next month is eating you up. And that's what sin does. And I used to be that way. I used to be a sinner overwhelmed by the guilt of my shame and my sin. But now I'm a sinner saved by grace. And now those times that I do slip, that I do sin, I know that Jesus Christ has given me deliverance. That by the blood of Jesus Christ that I have been forgiven. That through God and through Jesus Christ, his son, that there is a better way than sin. And that's why he sent Jesus Christ into the world, was to be a better way. So that we didn't have to live in our sin and we didn't have to give in to our sin, but we could be forgiven of our sin. And I want to tell you today, that if you're living in your sin and you think it's better than Jesus, I want to tell you it's not. I want to tell you that Jesus loves you. I want to tell you that Jesus cares about you. I want to tell you that Jesus will forgive you. I want to tell you that Jesus will bring you joy. I want to tell you that Jesus will fill that emptiness in your life. And it's only Jesus who can do it. Don't choose your sin over Jesus. Jesus is greater than your sin. Jesus has conquered your sin. And he'll give you the ability to overcome it and to conquer it through him. So we need to take a look at our wickedness in our life. And we need to see if we're falling into this trap that David's talking about. Do we fear and respect the Lord? Or do we kind of gloss over our sins? Do we not think very much of our sins? There's a couple of ways that the devil has that he can get us. One way is, is he makes us not think very much about our sin. Oh, that sin's not that bad. You're not too bad. You're pretty good. You go and do what you want to do. Yeah, maybe that's not the best thing, but you're way better than those other people in the world. That's one way he gets us. He makes us think our sin's not as bad as it is. Another way that he gets us is making our sin seem a lot worse than it is. Now, let me clarify that. Our sin is as bad as it can get. But what I mean when I say he convinces us our sin is worse than what it really is, is that he convinces us that there's no hope for us in our sin. What sometimes the devil does is, is if we won't just live willy-nilly and keep living in our sin and go on and not care about it, is then he tries to really make us feel guilty about our sin. And he tries to make us live in condemnation. And he'll tell us the lie that we can never be forgiven. He'll tell us the lie that what we've done is too much. He'll tell us the, the lie that God will never care about us and that God will never love us again and that the forgiveness of Jesus is not for you, but it's only for those who are pretty good. And that's a lie. The devil will try to get you any way he can. He's a thief that, see, that tries to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus is one who wants to bring you life and bring it to you abundantly. 
So don't give in to either lie of the devil. Don't think, well, I'm pretty good. I'll do what I want to do. I don't care about God. I'm not going to listen to him. And don't think, boy, I've really blown it. My life's in the pits. I feel empty and guilty and shamed and condemned and there's no hope for me. That's not true. Because John 3.17 says that God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. And so, yeah, you may be condemned by your sin. You may feel that condemnation. And yes, the devil is right. You've really sinned bad. Sin's a horrible thing. But he's not right in that you can't be forgiven. Yeah, you've done bad. You, if you've done sinful things, well, maybe you realize it today and praise the Lord for that. But I want to tell you, he might have made you aware of your sin, but he hasn't made you aware of the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. And that's what we're doing today. We're seeing and we're talking about what God's word says and shows us and tells us through Jesus Christ is a better way. Yeah, your sin may make you feel guilty and shame, but Jesus Christ can make you feel restored. He will restore you and he will redeem you if you put your faith and trust in him. Now, we've talked about the wickedness of sin here in the first part of this psalm, but let's go down a little further. Verse seven, verse seven, it says, God, your faithful love is so valuable that people take refuge in the shadow of your wings. See, we need to be valuing God's love. Do you value God's love today? Now, if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, then chances are you've not valued God's love. But maybe today, maybe the Holy Spirit's speaking to you and maybe you're convicted of your sin and maybe you're tired of that guilt and shame and emptiness and the broken relationships that comes with it. And maybe today you're ready to be freed from that and you can in Jesus Christ. And maybe today for the first time that you realize that God loves you. I want to tell you that again. God loves you. Now, I don't know what you've done. You might have done all kind of stuff. I don't know anything you've done in your life. I don't know what sin you've committed. But what I do know is that Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross so that you could be forgiven. That I know. And there's no sin that he can't cover if you put your faith and trust in him. And you need to learn God's word. You need to see how valuable God's love is today. And David says in verse five, excuse me, verse seven, your faithful love is so valuable. Now, there may be some of you watching, you're already a follower of Jesus Christ. But even you may fail to realize how valuable God's love is. Even sometimes you may doubt and wonder if God loves you. I want to tell you, he does love you. Realize that his love is valuable. Realize that there's refuge in him. David says at the end of that verse, people take refuge in the shadow of your wings. You see, our life, we're like a, 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 a boat at sea that's being tossed by a storm. The waves come. We just feel like we're going to be just going to be swamped and overwhelmed and engulfed and never be able to make it out. That's what our life feels like sometimes. My life feels like that sometimes. And chances are your life feels like that, too. And you may feel like that in your life right now. You may have something going on that's just overwhelming you. But I want to tell you where you can find refuge and you can find it in God. David uses a beautiful illustration here. He says, take refuge in the shadow of your wings. I like to imagine a, a bird in a nest, a, a mother bird with little baby birds there and winds and storm coming through. And that mama bird just takes that wing and just places it over those baby birds. And when that happens, they are completely shielded. 
They're in the warmth of their mother. They are protected from the elements. And that's what God desires for us to do with him. He wants us to come into his presence. He wants us to put our faith and trust in him and take refuge in him because God's arms are open and God wants to wrap you up and take you in and forgive you of your sins and bring restoration and joy to your life. And he'll do that if you come to him. Know that he loves you. Know the value of his love. Know the protection and the refuge that's in him and seek him this morning. Verse eight, they are filled from the abundance of your house. You let them drink from your refreshing stream for your life, for, for, excuse me, for with you is life's fountain. Isn't that something? That's a beautiful illustration. I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever just craved water before. You probably have. If you've ever worked outside, maybe you've been working out, maybe you just hadn't had anything to drink all day and there's nothing better than pure refreshing water. I mean, you can just chug it down. It's good stuff. And there's nothing that quenches your thirst like water does. And here David uses that illustration. He says, God, let people drink from you like a refreshing stream. Now, some of you are thirsty this morning. I ain't talking about you need something to drink. I'm talking about you're thirsty to be filled and to have joy in your life. You're thirsty for restoration. You're thirsty for peace. And that peace comes through Jesus Christ. That peace comes from God. We are refreshed when we come to the Lord. We are refreshed when we say, God, I'm not going to sin anymore, but I'm going to trust you. God, I'm going to turn from my sin. And God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live in your love. I'm going to live in your grace. And I'm going to follow you. I'm going to see, God, that your ways are better than my ways. God, I'm going to see that your goodness is better than my sin. What I thought was good, God, I count it as worthless. That's what God wants us to do. If you want to be refreshed this morning, you can only be refreshed in God. His word is like a stream to us that we can, we can soak it up. Hopefully you're soaking it up this morning and it's filling you and it's, re, and, it's, and it's replenishing you. Maybe you've never drank from God's stream before. Maybe today for the first time you're saying, I want to drink from that stream. Well, praise the Lord. All it requires is you to put your faith in Jesus Christ. He goes on to say at the end of the verse, in your light, we will see light. You see, when we live in sin, we live in darkness. We don't see anything. We don't see the light. We don't see how bad our sin is. But as we begin to read God's word, as the Holy Spirit begins to open up our hearts and that light begins to shine into those deep, dark crevices, the ones that you're hiding away, the ones that you don't want anybody to see, the sins in your life and the things in your mind that you don't want anybody to know about, God knows about. And when we begin to seek him and read his word, that light floods into the darkness of our heart and it kind of scares us at first. It kind of burns because we realize just how wretched we are. But once that light comes in there, instantly the darkness flees. Once the light is revealed on all those evil things in there, they are taken away from us. Once we seek the light that comes through Jesus Christ. And David says, Lord, you are like a stream of water. Lord, you, your light is the light that shines, that lights everything up. And that's what we need to seek today. That's what we need to be putting our faith and trust in today. Don't trust your sins that will keep you in darkness, but trust Jesus Christ who will give you the light. Now, this, this verse that we talked about with, with God being uh, the stream that we should drink from, this is the same language that we see in the New Testament. We know that this is speaking of Jesus Christ because this is the same language we see in the book of John. Let's look at a few passages 
from the book of John. This is uh, Jesus here in John chapter 7, verses 37 and 38. Jesus says, If anyone is thirsty, he should come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. Isn't that beautiful stuff? Jesus says, if you are thirsty, come to me and I will, I will take care of you. I will fill you up. Now, some of you today, you need to be filled. You feel empty and you're trying to fill that emptiness. You've tried to fill it with all kinds of stuff in the world, but it's not working. You still feel empty because your sin is still ruling in your life. But Jesus says, come to me if you're thirsty. Come to me if you're empty. I'll fill you up. I'll give you streams of, of living water within your life. Jesus says, come to me. Quit trying to find fulfillment in your sin. Quit for trying to find deliverance in your sin. Come to Jesus Christ. If you feel empty and ashamed and guilty this morning, praise the Lord. You've, you've made it to the first step. You know that you need help. And Jesus Christ is your helper. Jesus Christ is your redeemer. Jesus Christ is the one who will forgive you and fill you up when you feel empty and ashamed. In John chapter 4, verse 14, it says, But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again, ever. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up within him for eternal life. Isn't that good stuff? Jesus says, If you drink from me, you'll never be thirsty again. Now, you can go get a, a big old bottle of water right now, and you can drink it, and it'll quench your thirst. But one, one day, and probably just a few hours, you're going to be thirsty again. But in Jesus Christ, even though there are times in our life when we put our faith in Jesus Christ that we do sin, we have the water of Jesus Christ in our life that fills us eternally. We never thirst again. Because when you sin, you say, Lord Jesus, I blew it. I've sinned against you. And God, I know I'm wrong. I shouldn't have done that. And God, I'll repent. And every time we come to Jesus, he fills us up. We keep going back to the well of living water. And he keeps giving us life. He keeps giving us forgiveness. He keeps giving us redemption. He keeps giving us restoration. He keeps giving us joy. He keeps giving us peace. We can go to him again and again and again. And not just in this life, but for all eternity, the Lord will fill us and give us peace. That's what we desire, right? You desire peace. You want things to calm down. You want joy. You're tired of the struggle. Well, if you're tired of the struggle, then come to Jesus Christ and he'll free you from the struggle. John chapter 10, verse 10 says, A thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. Now, what Jesus wants for you in your life is for you to have life and have it in abundance. Not to have an abundant life. Not that you come to Jesus and you're going to get all the riches and wealth you want. That's not what Jesus cares about. He wants your life to be abundant. Your, your innermost life, who you are in him, he wants that to be abundant. Your joy and your peace, he wants that to be abundant. Your satisfaction, your trust in him, he wants you to be abundant in that way. And Jesus said, look, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, the thief is Satan. The thief is the enemy. The thief is sin. And that's all sin is ever going to do in your life. It's going to destroy you. It's going to destroy your relationships. It's going to leave you empty. It's going to leave you ashamed. It's going to leave you guilty. And it's going to leave you feeling condemned. That's what sin wants to do. 
That's what John 10 says. But what Jesus wants to do is give you life. He wants to give you abundant life. Some of you don't have life right now. You're living. You're walking around. But you're not living in life. You're living in sin. But Jesus wants to open your eyes. He wants to fill you up so you're no longer empty. He wants to forgive you so you don't lug around the burden of that sin. He wants to deliver you and to redeem you. And he wants to protect you. And he wants to love you this morning. If sin's getting the better of you, you're not living life right now. You're dead in your sin, the Bible says. But the Bible also says that Jesus wants to give you life. And he'll give you life if you come to him. What sounds better to you this morning? Well, I sure hope that Jesus Christ sounds way better than your sin. Your sin will convince you and try to make you think that it can give you something better. But you know better. You know better than that. God's word is full of page after page of people who learn that lesson the hard way. Don't be one who learns the lesson the hard way. Don't spend the rest of this life burdened and worried and angry and upset and bitter and empty and condemned. But live the rest of this life to the fullest by receiving life from Jesus Christ. Be filled. Find joy. Be at peace. And know this morning that you are loved by Jesus Christ. He wants to be your Savior. He wants you to put your faith and trust in Him. And I encourage you to do so today. As the music plays, we're going to pray. I'm going to have some music in the background. I'm going to pause for a few seconds, and maybe God has spoken to you today, and there's something on your heart you need to give Him. Maybe you're already His, and you just need to repent this morning. Or maybe this morning for the first time you realize you're not His. You've realized that you've loved your sin too much, and now you want to give that up and say, God, I'm tired of living my way. I'm tired of living in my sin, but I want to live for you, dear Lord. If God has spoken to you today, then all you got to do is put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. There's no hoops to jump through. It's just you just have to repent. That's it. Say, Lord, I repent. I turn from my evil ways. I'm not going to follow my sin anymore. But, Lord Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Forgive me of my sins, Lord Jesus, and let me be yours. And that's it. That's it. You don't have to say those exact words. Just say it from the heart because that's what Jesus looks at. And if you said that prayer today, if you accept Jesus today, if you put your faith in Jesus today, then let me know. Then let me know because God's word says that we need to follow through in baptism. Let me know so we can follow through and get you baptized. I hope you'll become part of God's kingdom today. I hope you'll get out of the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of sin, and follow Jesus Christ, the king, and enter into his kingdom find the peace and the rest that only comes through Him. Let's take a few minutes today, and if God's spoken to you, then respond to Him right now, and I'll close this in prayer. God, I thank you for these words, and I pray that the Holy Spirit would work in, in our lives to, to, to help us to grow in these words today. I pray, God, that if there's conviction for anyone for sin in their life, that they'd repent of it. God, maybe they've never put their faith in Jesus Christ. I pray that today that they would. God, maybe there's some watching that are yours. And dear Lord, they, they have put their faith in Jesus, but they're not living like it. Maybe they've given in to the lie that, that you don't love them anymore, that their sin can't be forgiven. God, I pray that anybody watching wouldn't, wouldn't give in to that lie today, but that they would know that there's peace and forgiveness in you. 
And I pray that they would find that peace today in Jesus Christ. I thank you for your words, and I thank you that we can study them. And I ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.